The COVID-19 pandemic is spreading and many small business owners have been severely impacted. If you're one of them, then Wafed Bank's Small Business Lifeline is here to help. It's a line of credit for up to $200,000, interest-free for 90 days. If you're in a pinch, we may be able to expedite it quickly. Wafed Bank's Small Business Lifeline is subject to credit approval, requires a business checking account, proof you've been in business at least two years, and documentation showing a decline in revenue. Go to wafedbank.com to learn more. Awarded Best Bank by Money.com three years in a row. Member FDIC. Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. It's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. All right, everybody. We are back this week's edition of Winging It with Zach and Brad, a special edition, two guests. We're going to kick this thing off. We've got Steve Hauschka on board, former Seahawk, former soccer player. We're going to dive into that in just a second. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Hauschka. How are you, pal? Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Hey, um, let's kick this off. Where are you right now? Uh, I am in Newport Beach, California. Um, so a nice, nice place to be quarantining right now. Yeah, seriously. Are you, what are you doing for quarantine? What does what a football player's quarantine look like right now? Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, still a lot of training right now, but it's, it's an interesting time to be an athlete because there's really, we don't know exactly when we're going to be back. So it's like preparing for an undetermined date. I think as an athlete, my whole life, you've had, you know, kind of a, a deadline or something like sometimes something that you have to prepare for or some hurdle that you have to, you know, clear. And right now they're just, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a hurdle for some time. So I don't know. It's a unique, unique time for me as a, as an athlete. I would uh, think that going with yeah, I would, I would just think that your time right now is spent usually in the gym, and then you guys report back in for a month, right? In Is it usually April or is it May? Yeah, so normally I'd be going back in two weeks uh, to train with the team and, you know, doing workouts with the team, start, start kicking, um, kind of traveling back and forth all spring because uh, my wife is um, eight months pregnant and due in mid-May, so... Um, yeah, we got a sec- got our second child on the way, a boy. So very excited about that. Um, yeah, but normally it would be a lot of busy, just go go go, fast pace, kind of back and forth between here and between California and Buffalo for the whole spring, and then um, take a quick break in in late June, early July, and then we'd start up training camp in mid July. Steve, I have a question for you because um, a lot of people know now that um, you're a massive soccer fan, but not just a fan. You're actually a soccer player and not just someone who says they can play. You actually can play. I mean, you played in my charity game. To be fair, <laughs> you came on and you just took a penalty, but you yeah. did the ball so well. <laughs> the question I have for you, I've always wanted to know this. So the most nerve-wracking part of our game, our sport, is if you've got to take a PK in a penalty shootout, the last PK and there's all the pressure on you. There's nothing like it. 
what is the pressure? Is it similar if um, you got to make a field goal, a 45-yard, 50-yard field goal, no time on the clock to try and win the game or tie the game? What's that pressure like? How lonely is it being the kicker in that moment? And kind of what's the psyche going through your mind at that time? Yeah, I would, I would say um, it's a lot like a penalty shootout. Um, it's, that's probably the, the most um, – that's the best analogy for sure. And, yeah, I don't know. The, the pressure, um, it's, very, it's very similar. You have a whole team that's – you have a whole team and fan base that's hoping that you make it. And, you know, it's, there's 90 minutes or there's a whole game that's been played and it all comes down to that one play. And you know, it really, it really does affect the game a lot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess now I've just kind of embraced it and realized that the pressure is the pressure really, you just have, you can't like hide from it. Um, you just got to understand that it is, it is what it is and just know that you can perform well under pressure. And that's, that's, that's the thing for me. It's like, yeah, I know. It's it's almost like this um, thing that you know is going on, but it's not focusing on that isn't going to help you do the job. So I just try to focus on actually kicking the ball and staying staying true to my routine, and that that usually works pretty well. Are you speaking of routines, are you superstitious at all? Because I I feel like football players are probably the most superstitious. The only reason I think that is because when I watched Ace Ventura when I was young. They always talked about the football team and how they were all super superstitious. So that's the only reason I think that football players are very superstitious. I'm not as a player, but do you find it in the in the NFL locker room? Because it's not very. By the way, great movie. I I watched that movie earlier this winter. It's awesome movie. Um, Yeah. So uh, I'll put it this way: I try not to be superstitious, but when it comes down to a game day, and for some reason you think that if you do something a certain way in your routine that it'll lead to better success you end up doing it that thing the certain way um, right just i don't i don't know maybe it helps you feel like you have control over something that you don't have control over i don't know Zachwani, you're not I, you're not superstitious right Zachwani? no 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 not at all no. No. <laughs> i mean there's no, not it, it's kind of a waiting game on the sideline I only get a few plays a game and the rest of the time I'm just sitting around on the bench waiting. So it's like, what are you going to do to stay? I don't know. What are you going to do to like stay active? Tell us, tell us, tell us and and the listeners kind of about your soccer background. Cause I know uh, Mm -hmm. let's, let's do two things. Let's, I want to know your history of soccer and I know that they do too and how you kind of led into football and then, are you still a soccer fan? What tournaments have you been to? Big games, things like that. Cool. Um, yeah, so soccer was my first love. I mean, there's pictures of me at age two and three just kicking balls in my yard as a kid. And I had an older brother and older sister, so saw them playing a little bit. And I loved it. I, I don't know why, but I just loved kicking a ball. Um, and from I don't know I don't whenever organized soccer started when we were playing on hockey nets and um, you know community community center yards 
um, I would, I was the goalie and I could score from with the goal kicks and <laughs> I don't know. I just, so not only did I love it, but I was good at it at a young age. So something about kicking balls and, um, being good at it made me want to do it even more. So it kind of began this obsession with, with kicking and soccer and going to soccer camps and, uh, playing spring and fall and summer, even winter, uh, playing like futsal and basically, um, go to all my friends would, would go to soccer camps together during the summer. So I would go to Babson college soccer camp and outside of, you know, in Wellesley, Massachusetts, I'd go there for, I don't know. Most kids would go there for two weeks. I'd go for six or seven or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> We go to a couple other soccer camps. So a fun, like the best summer for me was how many, how many weeks of soccer camp could I go to? And I was obsessed with it. I watched the world cup, um, every year I would, you know, right when I was growing up was when the MLS started, um, becoming a thing and they were promoting uh, the new England revolution a lot. And, uh, Taylor Twellman, and Joe Max Moore and uh, were a few of the names that I grew up kind of rooting for and seeing them at summer um, at, you know, like different events around the town and uh, for soccer, they'd show up at some of the soccer camps I would go to. So, um, and I grew up in a town where we had the high school team was competitive in the state championship, usually every, every couple of years. And, they won the state championship when I was in sixth grade and we actually won the state championship when I was in sixth grade in the summer too, like my sixth grade team won. So, um, I don't know. I was hooked. I grew up in a soccer town and, and I love soccer. And that was, that was my thing. That was all that existed to me for a long time. That's awesome. And then you, that took you to college though, right? Mm. Yeah. And so, um, I was good in high school at soccer. Um, I was skilled. All my friends will tell you that I was really slow and deliberate. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I could kick the ball as well as anybody on the field. Um, and so I got a chance to walk on at Middlebury College. And, you know, I got, I got to school and I knew that they had started, they started training camp for soccer you know, in middle, middle of August or something like that. And I didn't get invited to that. So I was kind of bummed. I thought that, you know, having a good soccer career and coming from a good town soccer program that I'd get a shot to go there. Um, but I didn't get invited to that. And so I got to campus and got to play for the JV team. Um, and we started up like early, early to mid September and it was fun and but it was totally separate from the varsity team and it wasn't it didn't feel like there was much of a opportunity to really transition to the to get time on the varsity team so I kind of there was a couple guys that were going back and forth and but they weren't getting any time on the varsity team so I don't know I just I saw the writing on the wall I saw like, Hey, if I do really well, 
and put all I have in the soccer, you know, fighting the coaches, um, prejudice against kind of his guys that aren't recruited or his walk-ons. And I, I kind of looked at it and thought, Hey, I could, I could maybe get some time if I, you know, by my junior or senior year, if I really worked at this or, Hey, um, at the same time, I was, uh, the, the football team needed a kicker and my roommate in college was one of the, one of the star players as a freshman for the, for the football team. And so he kept telling me about how they needed a kicker. So I went out and kicked for my buddies one day and they saw me kick. You need to do this. So basically at the same time that, that soccer was, um, kind of fading out football came into my life and there was a great opportunity there for me. So my, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I started kicking footballs by myself. Um, my dad helped me a little bit and I watched some videos online and really had no idea what I was doing, but, um, I don't know, spent a month and a half kicking footballs over the summer and went into the training camp there and was able to beat out a couple other recruits. There were like three or four guys there and um, was able to win the kicking job there for punting and for field goals. So it's crazy. I don't know. It was a wild, wild ride. And like just in a matter of a year there, a lot of, a lot of things changed for me. Love it, Steve. We'll let you go shortly, but I want, I do want to ask you this for, Obviously, those of us who never saw you play the game of soccer, how would you, if you were scouting yourself, what's the scouting report you'd give of yourself as a player? What kind of soccer player were you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I had like a couple. Uh, let's see. Really? Okay. Um, he's got really slow feet. Um, he's <laughs> he's lumbering. He's 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 lumbering around the field. But if he if you give him some time and you give him some space, he can kick the ball wherever you want on the field. He can spread the spread the ball out wide. He's really good at passing. Great um great free kicks. Great um great delivery on on corner kicks and and you know anything else you need. And then anything um, else you he need. has like. Yeah, he has like two moves um, <laughs> that come up once in a blue moon and he can pull it off and nutmeg and do some other stuff and make defenders look, you know, make the opponent look silly. But it only comes up once, maybe once every month. Once a season. <laughs> <laughs> once a season. But everyone will talk about it because they weren't expecting it. Um, and I will sneakily score a decent amount of goals, even though I don't seem like I'm a goal scorer. Um, so I'll be probably one of your top scorers, even though you don't. And, and I'm, I'm underrated. I don't look like I'm good out there on the field, but um, <laughs> I can score some freak goals every once in a while. It's a pretty good player. Good, 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 uh, good scouting report. Great scouting report. <laughs> I love it. Uh, every like, <laughs> And the other, the other one too is, I'll practice shooting all day long so that I'm so good, you know, if, if I have the time and space. But then when it comes to a game, you know, I'm just that 
that millisecond away from getting a shot off every single time. <laughs> but the one time I do get it, I'll take off the crossbar. The crossbar will just fall. It'll break. The whole goal will break. I absolutely love it. Steve, pleasure, man. Thanks so much for making the time to join us, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks. Bring on, guys. All right. See you guys. Have a good one, man. The COVID-19 pandemic is spreading and many small business owners have been severely impacted. If you're one of them, then Wafed Bank's Small Business Lifeline is here to help. It's a line of credit for up to $200,000, interest-free for 90 days. If you're in a pinch, we may be able to expedite it quickly. Wafed Bank's Small Business Lifeline is subject to credit approval, requires a business checking account, proof you've been in business at least two years, and documentation showing a decline in revenue. Go to wafedbank.com to learn more. Awarded Best Bank by Money.com three years in a row. Member FDIC. Well, I'm glad to say we're now joined by um, a former teammate, I think, of both of us. I think mine longer, but I think you also played with Brad, um, a rival to the Sounders for many years. Uh, MLS vet now, national team player, all that good stuff. Um, Darlington Nagby. D, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, I want to start right away. What? I, I, I know you, you, you're a homebody. You like being at home, all that stuff. So this is probably mm. easier for you in that sense, but... What has it been like pretty much a month now without, you know, being able to go to training and not knowing when it's going to come back? Like, what do you, how, how are you able to stay in shape? Like, is the, did the club give you a fitness plan? Like, what's kind of that look like for you the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, this is kind of, I'm always at home normally, but it's still, it's still strange though. I think the strangest part is not knowing when it's going to, when this is going to end or when we're going to get back to it. I think that's the crazy part. And in terms of staying fit, the team's giving us programs and stuff, just going outdoors or if guys have treadmills available or bikes and things like that to still stay active. But, you know, you have some parts that are still open and things like that, so you can go out there and still get touches or use the field to run and things like that. But definitely strange times. Hey, Darlington, Brad Evans here. I want to know – I don't care about the fitness part. All I want to know are college <laughs> stories. From you and Steve, like that's all I want to know. I want to know some dirt. Like I want to know what Steve was up to in college. Like was he just? I don't know. I, I got to know something. We got to know something. Man. You got to have something, obviously. You, you, you know what? Yeah, in yeah. college, I think I think no. This this people don't believe when I say this because I went to Akron the year before you did D, and mm. I kind of caught the back end of Akron being like a typical college team. I lived in the party house, all that stuff. But then when you came and Till Bunbury came and all these guys you wanted to go pro came, it changed. Like no one, no one was really partying. We kind of were, we were almost like a pro team in college. Like we took training really seriously. We all would go to bed early. I don't know. So I don't know if there's any crazy stories like that. Maybe you have some, but I don't really remember. Um, nah. Yeah, I don't remember too crazy. much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like Steve said, it was. I came. I remember I first saw Steve. That was PDL. PDL training, <laughs> Some elite. you know, and, yeah, and this guy was so skinny, and I was like, no way he's strong, but he caught me with like, <laughs> like a side elbow or something, I don't know what it was, but I signed for a couple of days, that's when I was like, wow, what's the story, <laughs> the story though, Steve, you remember when you were leaving for Seattle, actually, the fridge? there are some good stories now i think that the one with you that sticks out i would say the one that sticks out was my sophomore year your freshman year um the conference championship game we played i think the oh. semi-final on, yeah the semi-final on the friday 
Yeah. We won on penalties, and then we had a final on the Sunday morning. And I got crushed in the semi-final. My ankle was swollen. I was injured. I spent all Saturday in the treatment room. And there's, I said, there's no way I can play. Like, there's no yeah. way I can play. And oh, I wasn't going to play. And I was just about to text the coach, Caleb Porter, and say, look, like, I'm sorry. But I know it's the conference final, but I can't play today. And then back then I had a Facebook and I went on Facebook and I got this long message from Darlington. And it was like, you have to play. And <laughs> e- e- even if you just stand there, just stand. You're going to take all yeah. the attention and then we can try to help. But if you don't play, we're not going to win. So I ended up actually playing that game and scoring the winning goal. So um, that's a really oh, good college that. memory for me. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good memory for me. Um, did you guys, how, how many games did you two play with each other? One or two? Me and Maren. Yeah, maybe. Just a couple, yeah, a handful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe I still owe him dinner, though. You what? Yeah, you still do. He owes me dinner. Oh, I really? Forgot. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> if I was a good guy, I would have said no. But I haven't forgotten. If I was a bad guy, I would have said no. But I remember. <laughs> yeah, we only had 30 days in camp together. And I took him out to dinner. And somehow, in 29 days after that, he still owes me dinner. <laughs> I think the, <laughs> the age old question right now is what is your favorite position? I know yeah, you probably so had this question a lot, but yeah. like 2013, 2013, you scored like 10 yeah. goals and yeah. eight assists or something as, as a number 10, right? Yeah. Number yeah. 10, 10 on the winger and a mix. Yeah. yeah. Like why, why change? Why deviate from that plan? Was it just to make the team more successful or was it, a conscious decision by yourself to prolong your career. What what was it, and and why? I think I think playing higher up is. I mean, I feel like I can play you know multiple positions, but in terms of where I'm most comfortable and have the most fun, I would say it's in the middle as a six or eight, mostly eight. I just like getting touches on the ball on the wings, and then as a ten, it's more so you know you're kind of thinking you have to take chances, and I'm not the type that you know likes to take chances, and if I do, and Things will happen and work, but I just don't feel good about my game when I take too many chances. I love keeping the ball. I love dictating tempo and just getting touches on the ball. And sometimes higher up, you don't get those touches, so you're not as involved. So I would say just being in the middle, getting touches, uh, not losing the ball, dictating rhythm. I feel like I enjoy those things, and those things are just more natural to me as opposed to other things. If that makes uh- sense. Um, I'm going to say, I, I know you don't care much about this because we spoke about this because I, mean, I, I mean, I made a Twitter account just to argue mm. with the people that would say you weren't <laughs> a good player. And that's why. Um, but Keith, a good friend of ours, Keith Kostigan, who works with us on the broadcast, he asked a question that I think a lot of people want to ask as well, is do you feel that the way you play, your skill set, like the things mm. you're good at, that it's underappreciated in MLS? Um, and that because maybe you're not showing up on the score sheet all the time or the assist, but people aren't seeing the things you're doing for the team. And then, you know, you went to Portland, won a championship, went to Atlanta, won a championship. Um, do you think, and be as honest as possible, that your yeah. skill set, the things you're good at, aren't as highlighted uh, because of maybe the way MLS has historically been? Yeah. I mean, I know I know it is. I know that, but the thing is, I know, at least if, if I'm okay with it, that I think that's all that matters, so... I mean, my coaches, you know, Caleb, Tata, Frank, the three that I've had so far, I think they know what I bring to the game and they appreciate it, my teammates. So as long as I know that, I'm good with it, you know. But, but I understand the game here and people see the numbers and the stash and things that are flashier, you know. I, I can get past guys and things like that. So when I do that, they notice that. But I do other things as well that's not always, you know, running past a guy or, or two or doing some flashy play. But 
you know, I accept it. That's just how the game is here. And, you know, just accept it and move on. I don't argue with those people, you know. And their opinion, I, they're entitled I, to it, I, which I, is I, good. I, I, I do. I argue for you. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, D, out of those, out of those three coaches you just named, rank mm -hmm. them one to one, one, two, and three, and why? One, two, and three. Uh, I mean, one would have to be Caleb. Obviously, I've had the most. I've been with him the longest, so with him, I kind of know what he likes. He knows what I like. And then two and three. I don't know. Tata and Frank were different. What I love about Tata, he was the one that was like, you know, hey, D, you're 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 six and eight and that's it like nothing else i'm yeah. not moving you anywhere else and so i really loved that from him and then frank came in and kind of followed suit where it was listen this is your position and then really try to get me to do too much just do you and the team is good when you just do you so focus on that so in terms of two and three uh i don't know i don't know i'll probably put them about the same um so a lot of a lot of people spend a lot of time arguing about you and the national team a lot of people you know yeah. why does he why does he want to go to the national team? Why is all these kinds of questions? You know, did mm -hmm. did did Greg call him? Did Bruce call him? Did Jurgen call him? Why? Whatever. Um, tell us because I kind of know, but tell mm -hmm. us why for you, um, you're comfortable with the career you've had. You're comfortable being home with the family, being with the kids. Mm -hmm. You're comfortable, and if a coach doesn't really rate you and overlooks you, you're not going to phone the coach and say, "Why am I not in the team?" You're comfortable. Um, with the choices you've made and like you don't spend the time arguing and trying to explain yourself yeah I think it's just I mean I just know who I am as a player you know I think Jurgen gave him my first cap and uh, I'm grateful to him for that and then uh he left and then Bruce came in and, and Bruce pretty much brought me on all the trips and everything like that Jurgen did too until one point I think the thing with Jurgen was the situation that you know where I said, hey, I need to be home. We had traveled a lot. And I think that happened. And then he didn't call me in. And unfortunately, right. he got let go after that. But for me, I was, you know, if he didn't call me in, I was fine with that. It's just, it doesn't mean you're not a good player or you're better than the players that are not getting called. And it is, it is what it is, you know. But one thing, and I, let, I told Bruce the same thing, you know, when he took the job, I was like, hey, look, you know, I just, I don't like leaving my family. And, uh, you know, all the trips I went to, I don't know if people know, or some of the guys that were there knew, but. My wife and two kids came on like every trip in the U.S. Just I just needed them to come, and she came for me. She did that for me. And then we had the third baby, which is now leading to you know, uh, we're taking over. It's just you know where I am now. You know, 30 this year, World Cup. I'll be 32, which isn't old at all, you know. But with three kids, I think it's just I'm at the point where it's just I I want to be home with my kids, spend time with my kids, and and not travel as much. So you know, it's nothing. I wish there was more to it with oh, I had beef with this coach or that coach or, right. or this or that, you know, but it's just as simple as that because, I mean, especially when you wear those colors, I don't care who you are when you play for a national team, it's special, whether you're yeah. subbing in or you're starting a game or whatever it is, so, but the thing for me is just being at home with my family is a lot more important than than the than national team games at, at this point in my life. Right. Yeah. Would you say that you're the best number eight in MLS? Would you say I can't say that. I can't say, you yeah, know, you a bunch of people out there better than <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see it. There aren't really any other, like, number eights in the league, though. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I'm trying to think of, but like, a, a true number eight, right? Yeah, but there's a lot of guys that I, I love watching. I mean, Los Santos in Ooh. L.A., Chara. Yeah. Los Santos in L.A., Chara, of course, yeah. I love. Uh, you know, Latif, I'd like him as well. You know, those three are there, K and Natuesta. Natuesta's more six. 
Rad Ring in New York. I mean, there's so many talented guys that I like, you know, but I don't say I'm better than all of them. Yeah, you, that's you, crazy you, that you bring that up because that's all yeah. players that kind of get overlooked also in, yeah, in their I mean, squads. Like, Galaxy's really good. So Santos gets his due credit because he's probably a bigger player, but yeah. you know, the others that you mentioned don't get the credit where credit's due. And I think that's, like Steve said, and, and you said, it's a product of MLS and where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 let, me, let me ask you this. You, well, you are the best number eight in the league. Um, and you've, to, you've told me that before in the text, so don't change Look at this guy. Um, <laughs> and then, um, on Saturday, we're going to replay, um, we're going to replay here in Seattle, the Sounders against Portland from 2013. We played you twice, three times that year, twice at home. We're playing the mm. second game um, when Eddie Johnson scored the winning goal with a head that was 1-0. But what are... Is that the cross from you? Here? No, no, no. That was the 1-1 one, one draw. That was the 1-1 one, oh. one draw when I put that great cross in. Um, not that one. Um, the, from the Portland side, when Caleb came, I felt like there was a shift. Like Before Caleb came, um, you know, I remember I told a story when I think one year we beat you guys 3-0 or something like that. And <laughs> me and you, we were, we were walking off the bad field. Guy. <laughs> we were walking off the pitch and you looked really, really upset. And I said to you, D, what's wrong? And you said, and I said, wait, you didn't expect to win, did you? you know? So um, I think those days were definitely gone when Caleb came because um, mm. it changed. But being on the inside the locker room, what shifted in 2013? Obviously, Valeri came, Caleb came, but you guys mm. just seemed like a better team and were much harder to beat. Um, yeah, anything specific or guys just improved? What happened? I think it was a combination of Caleb and the players that came. You know, Caleb came in and, and brought a style of one to be on the ball and then brought the players for that style as well. You know, Will Johnson came in. I thought he helped a lot. And then obviously Valeri came in. That was uh, that was probably the biggest difference. That was uh, my first time professionally playing with, uh, you know, with a guy like that, a true 10. So yeah. I think he made a big difference. And then, you know, who else came in that year in 2013? I think yeah. Paul Madu came in. Paul Madu came, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now we had a ball playing center back. So a lot of pieces changed. We had a lot of guys that wanted to play on the ball on the ground and the coach that wanted us to play and keep the ball on the ground. So I would think it was just a combination of Caleb coming in and him demanding us to, you know, be brave and play and the combination. And then the players that we brought in as well, along yeah. with the players that were already there. But yeah, see, you're a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Was Steve was Steve was Steve one of the best players you played with? Yeah, man. Steve was the first guy I was like, you know, growing up you play against guy in your area, guys in your area, you travel places and you're like, Oh, this guy's good, you know, but my best and his best, I was like, Man, I don't know. I still think I'm you know, maybe I can be as good as this guy. But Steve was the first guy, I was like, No, nah, I gotta get to that level. Like, no question about it. I was like, This is like he's better than all of us. I gotta get to that level. So that was good having him there. Uh, good memories, but all right, D, we're gonna let you go. I'm gonna ask you one more, um, one more question. It's just for me what I want to know. Um, mm -hmm. is that be honest? Okay, so where do you I'm think? I'm always honest. Man. <laughs> where, how high do you think? Like, do you think I, I think not now. Let's say three years ago. Um, could I have dropped you in the EPL? And you you would fit in. Could I have dropped you in La Liga? Like where could I have dropped you? What's the highest level at that time? Do you think I could have put you and you could just fit in and do your thing and not look out of place? Because I think there was a time when I was playing with you where I thought if I throw you into a possession draw at Barcelona, you'll be fine. Because you never lost the ball. I've never seen somebody who prided themselves not losing the ball. I've never seen something like that. So what did you think about that for yourself? Like where could you have played and just felt completely comfortable? Because I think like I'm arrogant. I think in my prime you could have put me. 
a substitute for Neymar. When Neymar mm. gets tired, I'd be on for him, which I probably <laughs> couldn't. But that's where my mind was, right? Um, yeah. What about for you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. I mean, you always watch games. And you're like, you know, could I do what this guy's doing? You know, if I was there. But you know, but I watch that and I think that you know, but I don't have any regrets at all. all right. But I would say probably somewhere in La Liga, I would say probably would fit me the most in terms of which club, which team. I don't know. That style was better for you. Yeah, I would say so. But now you see a lot of more English teams are playing, so uh, both leagues are great. I think you um, can fit in anywhere. I mean, you were about to go to Celtic, right? And then that's basically the jump-off point for, for many big players is yeah. test yourself in a physical league, and if you can keep possession in a physical league, then you make the big jump to a big team in England or a big team in Spain. That's usually the transition, so I would assume that that was on your mind at least um, when that deal was going down. Yeah, right. yeah definitely. Definitely, I think with Brendan Rodgers being there, that was, uh, you know, him coming from Liverpool and then going to Celtic. And you knew you knew he was going to leave at some point. Uh, you just didn't know when. So that was kind of going through my head and go there. I'm impressed with him and then hopefully make a jump somewhere else. But, um, you know, it didn't work out. And uh, I'm so happy with that, though, where I am now. I love it. All right, D, love we'll it. let you go, man. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Um, say hi, obviously, to the wife and how many, all those kids. Um, tell them hello. Five, seven? seven? <laughs> <laughs> Just three, man. Just three. <laughs> uh, enjoy, enjoy the theme park in your backyard. Over there, backyard. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> enjoy. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having Take me. Take care, man. You too. Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar. By sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, chefs Caleb Espinosa and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at All of Eight, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC. All right, guys, welcome back once again. Thanks to Darlington for joining us. And just want to remind you that this Saturday you can rewatch the entire 2013 game against the Portland Timbers at 7 p.m. That's on Joel TV, um, Sounders FC website, soundersfc.com, or even on the Sounders FC app. And you can also listen to that game on 950KJRAM. Saturday's edition of Sounders FC Classics is presented by CHI Franciscan. CHI Franciscan and Sounders FC official partners in health. That game was Clint Dempsey's debut, I think. I think it was the second time we played Portland um, that season. Um, I was injured for that one. I played in the first one. Brad, did you play in that one? I think it was like October. Or I can't remember when it was, but it was later August. in the season. August it was? Yeah. Uh, did August, you play yeah, that one? Yeah. I played that one. I started at uh, right mid in that game, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. I actually remember that game pretty well because it was 68,000 uh, packed yeah. crowd. And it was under the lights at nighttime, and it was a perfect night. No rain, nothing. It was uh, it was pretty epic. Actually, Portland had the better of better of the game early on in that one, uh, yeah. for sure. And then Shawry came out, and Mauro came in and kind of made all the difference in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, that was that was a big game, man. That was that was pretty awesome. Those rivalry games are always massive, you know. They, they were something yeah. special, right? Yeah, and I think I think that year in particular, they that's when Caleb had just got there. So I think 
before that year, they weren't as competitive. But I think that year they had a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And that was maybe the best version of Portland I think we'd seen up to that point, if I remember correctly. And yeah. I don't, I think, was it 1 0? Eddie scored 2 1. I can't remember. I think we won. Eddie scored a winning goal. But I think it was 1 0. Yeah, 1 0. Eddie got fouled in the corner by the monster oh. Pamadou Kass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like didn't care about anybody's legs at all. And yeah, uh, yeah swiped him down. And then Mauro, a really good set piece as he as he was known for, um, came through and just did his magic. And Eddie got free and um, scored at the near post. Yeah. And that's yes. when Eddie's hair was like, that's when everybody was dyeing their hair blonde, like before it became popular, like a year yeah. ago or whatever. Eddie somehow was on that train early. You never did yeah, that, did you? Did you ever dye no, your hair? No, 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 never, no, never, no. ever, ever, ever. No, no, you should, no. You should. I, I, should. <laughs> never, absolutely not. <laughs> I, 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 I do remember that. And that was the start, obviously, of, um, of Clint Dempsey. I don't, remember, I don't remember much from Clint in the 2013 season. I think he came, had a few injuries, didn't quite get going. And then, obviously, in 2014, he took off, if I remember correctly. But I don't remember much from yeah. Clint in 2013. I think he just wasn't fit. Well, it was a weird time, like him... It was just a coming into a new team. There was so much expectation on his shoulders, right? He's getting this massive yeah. contract, um, and I don't know if he really wanted to leave. You're, like he was he, the year, the season before, he did really well with Tottenham. Scored yeah. big games, yeah. scored big goals, and but I think the dollar signs got big, and it was time to come back to the U.S. And um, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't remember too much on the first year there. I think everyone was trying to kind of figure him out because. Now, if if you knew his personality now, before right. he came to your team, it'd be so much easier to handle. Because then you know, like, what buttons you can press, what buttons you can't press. You know what I mean? And then yeah, yeah. just to come in and nobody really knew anything about him. Um, right. you know, I had played a couple of national team games with him, but those are so brief. It's like 48 hours. Yeah. Um, you kind of got like, we didn't know what to expect. And the Sounders had never had a really big name like that. I mean, Eddie was yeah. probably the closest thing, right? Uh, right, right. But even so, he he was on the decline where Clint's come, kind of coming in yeah. at full strength. So it was an interesting time. Yeah. Um, so far, we've seen a couple of classics. We've seen uh, one of the past weekends. And we're going to see, obviously, this Portland game we just spoke about. Are there any classic games? Obviously, there's been so many through, I think, 11 years now for the Sounders. Yeah. Um, are, are there any that you remember or you think that we've kind of forgotten about that we might want to see or what games would you want to see? All right. So there is a game. It was Sounders at Chicago 2014. Yeah. Um, and Clint was, I think it was summertime. So it must've been around the world cup, but I, I had this one in my head cause it was a very weird game. Um, and I want to read you some of the things I wrote down from that game that I, that I remember. Yeah. So it was Sounders at Chicago. Oba scores first. Yeah. Hurtado, Hurtado, obviously former sounder, brings down um, Oba in the box. Oba scores uh-huh. a PK. Hurtado gets a red card. Harry Ship scores a ridiculous goal to make it 2 1. <laughs> and then Papa, who played for Chicago, comes oh, in I and remember. has an assist yeah. to Lamar, who scores a golasso. Oba gets a red card right before halftime. And then Harry Ship scores another ridiculous goal with a couple minutes left. Sounders leave. Um, Chicago with a 3-2 victory. It was just like this bizarre string of events. Um, and it was just like this crazy game of former Sounders, current Sounders, um, yeah. guys who would eventually play for the Sounders. It was just weird, weird game. Um, it probably wasn't the best game to watch, but I just, yeah. one of those games 
mind that like sticks out and I had to go back and rewatch it. Cause I was like, man, I remember this crazy game in Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that yeah. was a crazy one. That That's a good one. one. I, I, remember, one. I, I do remember watching that one. I remember watching that one. Um, the game I want to see that I don't think this game gets talked about enough. I know we won the open cup in 2009. That was cool. But I remember so well the 2010 open cup win. Um, I know people talk about, a lot about the 2011 win when Aussie scored that crazy goal. But the 2010 win, we played yeah. against a very, very good Columbus crew team. Like a really yep. good Columbus crew. I mean, I think Chad Marshall was there. Hayduck must have still been there. Robbie Rogers, Eddie Gavin, um, Shaloto. Very, very good team. We went 1-0 down. Um, it was a final at home, our first experience of that. Um, I think probably 35,000 fans packed. And then we came back and won 2-1, two, two goals by San and Ayasi. And for me, it's one of the best performances I've been a part of for a Sounders team. I mean, I've watched that game back once with James Riley a few months ago, and we were so, so good that night. We were crisp and we were moving the ball and the football was great. The crowd was great. And I remember that game so well, but it's never really talked about. Maybe it's just so far removed. It's like 10 years ago. But um, yeah, there were some good players on that pitch, man. I mean, Robbie Rogers, Eddie Gavin, these guys were good, good players. And I just remember um, that game. I don't know if we have... I don't know how it works with the rights to open cup games, but that was a really, really right. good one. And then in terms of MLS, there's been so many, man. I mean, I'm so think, yeah, so many. Some of the ones with the Galaxy, I think there's, we did one this past weekend, but there's been so many against them. Some of the home openers. I mean, Philly 2010 home opener was a really good game. That I remember that one. Yeah, it was a fun game. So there's been a few, man. Um, before we go, there are a couple of questions. Um, I, I don't know if I have an answer to this one, but Ryan Healy wants to know. He says... I'm curious what you guys would identify as your greatest play. Like, what's the one play you rewind in your mind because it makes you feel good just to think about it? Do you have one? Um, yeah, I think so. I think a, a moment that I can always reflect on that kind of always comes back was the yeah. goal in Jamaica that I scored for the U.S. team. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just like one. I don't know. I, I can't tell you why that sticks out. I mean, it was a massive moment. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I always reminisce yeah. to asking the referee how much time is left because there was no clock in the stadium. So I didn't even have any idea what time it was because my uh, I was on the right side of the pitch, on the far side away from the bench in the second half. So it's 1-1, time's ticking down. If we get out with a draw, it's awesome. Um, yeah. But then I didn't even realize it was like the 92nd, 93rd minute that I had scored in, and uh, that was epic. That That's the one that always sticks out for me. Yeah, you? that's good. Um, I, I mean, I do have some obviously like goals and stuff you remember. I remember I scored, like, I always dreamed to score a goal where like you dribble three or four guys. I did that yeah. against um, <laughs> Chivas one year. That was cool. But I, I don't know. I remember more like, to be honest, I remember a lot of plays that maybe won like almost goals. It was 2009. We played Dallas. I remember I should have scored a goal and I wasn't a very good finisher back then. So I missed it. Like, that would have been a great goal. I remember a lot of the things I should have nearly done, mm -hmm. but didn't quite come off or things I tried in training and it didn't quite happen. So maybe more of those, but in terms of ones that happened, then yeah, I would say um, a goal I scored against Chivas, I say um, is, yeah, that's the kind of goal I always wanted to score. Um, so probably put that one really, really high up the list. Um, we look at one more here. Russell Crouch says, some people say there's a need for the Sounders to sign the big splashy player. What's your opinion on if that's needed within our team or should we continue with the method of finding lesser known players in leagues that some people may not watch? Um, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I just think you sign good players, man. Um, I think yeah. you've had the big splashy players come to MLS. Some's worked, some hasn't worked. I mean, you've had legends like Lampard, Pirlo, Gerrard, who just hasn't worked because 
it's just it wasn't the time they were too old or they wasn't the right fit there's been different reasons and then you've had big legends like Zlatan who've come and absolutely crushed it Terry Henry David Beckham so I don't know I don't know if the Sounders need to sign someone that big at this point um but if the player's good then it's fine like I mean Raul wasn't a big name but he's coming that's the perfect player that you want so I don't know I don't really have an opinion if it has to be a big splashy signing that you have to go and sign you know Suarez or someone I don't know I think just if the guy can come in do the job yeah yeah, do the job is, is number one, obviously. It doesn't matter if the player is flashy or not. But when I always think about flashy players, they've got to be yeah. in their prime if you're going to sign a flashy player. Yeah, I don't exactly. want a flashy player that's past his prime who three or four years ago, yeah, we watched him on YouTube, we watched him on the weekend that used to do his stuff, and then he comes over here and he can't right. do it anymore, like Robinho or something like that, right? Like it's just right. Not, right. not worth my time. Uh, yeah. I don't think yeah. it's worth our club's um, money. I think our, our ownership and general manager are, are too smart for that now. And I think yeah. that we've seen a shift in the way that the Sounders operate. Um, I'd rather have a up-and-coming Central American or even American for, for whatever reason, or even a Mexican, a young right. kid that could be the potential is there or a proven goal scorer in Mexico. I'd rather have that than a super flashy yeah. player. There, there's just no need. The team is yeah. shown it can win championships and get championships without it. So they're yeah. not going to change that, that thought process in the front office. No way. Yeah, I agree with you. You, you, you. Were you in the league before Beckham or after? Uh, I was the same year. The same year. And so, so you probably saw some of the changes because I wasn't there. I came in 2009 when things were somewhat good. Not as good as they are now, but better. But were you there when the hotels weren't as good, the travel wasn't as good, or did, oh, did yeah, it change sure. that, instantly that, when he came? Yeah. That was the Beckham effect, I remember, because we used yeah. to stay at this hotel in New England. And it was called uh-huh. the Brain Tree, and it was it was so gross, dude. It was like basically staying thing, <laughs> and it was so bad. Um, and then Beckham came, and I think that LA went to went to New England and showed up at the hotel, and he was like, uh-huh. "We're not staying here." And he turned uh-huh. around the whole bus, and they went to a different hotel. <laughs> That's love it. Change, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right perfect that's all we have time for guys i'm steve zakwadi brad evans as well we're signing out winging it with zach and brad thanks for joining us we'll be back next week but until then enjoy the sounders classic this weekend brought to you by chi franciscan sounders fc against portland timbers from 2013 and we'll see you next week